into my third trimester, my workouts were super different. It was more of a mindset shift of surrender and just letting go of wanting to maintain strength. And remember that it was for the pure joy and enjoyment of moving my body, whether it be going for a walk or something a little bit lighter, a little bit slower and really connecting to my breath. I became so much more aware of my body as I was moving it through pregnancy. That I found a, a new way of looking at exercising. Are you done with being that pregnant or postpartum mom in the gym who is always stuck on the sidelines feeling horrible, saying, how come no one ever told me this? Are you ready to finally say no to a mom life filled with excess weight, injury, overwhelm, and fatigue? Then health is here. Welcome to the Strong Moms Fitness Podcast, where we dive deep into the information you need to be the strongest woman in and out of the gym, even if you are a mom. If you are done going through your pregnancy or postpartum fitness journey clueless and unprepared, if you are ready to commit and say yes to being that badass fit mom who is shredded and stronger than before the baby, well, listen up. Because this is where we talk about all of the things your doctor or trainer never told you about, so that you can achieve the body you want and take your athletic strength and performance to the next level. Get ready, because here's your host, Daisy Bravo. Hello, hello, hello. And I want to welcome you to another episode of the Strong Moms Fitness Podcast. I'm really excited because I have such a fun and amazing guest who, with in the last eight weeks, had her first baby. She has taken the time to come chat with us and share with us her pregnancy and postpartum journey. You're really going to love this conversation with Steph Park. Steph Park is a certified personal trainer and pregnancy and postpartum athleticism coach. And she is based out of my hometown, Toronto, with five years experience in the industry, Steph has run hundreds of boot camps, led workshops, and coached clients in person, online, and in a group setting to help them reach their goals through effective and sustainable fitness programs. Now, Steph's mission is to empower and educate pregnant and postpartum women how to safely and effectively train in order to feel strong and powerful during this transformative chapter in their lives. When Steph is not working her full-time job in pharmaceuticals or training clients, you can find her spending time with her newborn son, Teddy, or cooking up a storm in the kitchen. I'd love to welcomely warm Steph Park to the Strong Moms Fitness Podcast today. Steph, thank you for joining me today on the Strong Moms Fitness Podcast. I want to congratulate you. You've had a new baby, so I'm sure there's a lot going on in your life. And I really want to thank you for taking your time today to chat with me. Of course. Thanks for having me. Before we jump into all this stuff, I would love for you to introduce yourself. Who is Stephanie Park and (laughs) what are you all about? So I'm Steph Park. I'm from Toronto, Canada. And I am a fitness trainer. I do group classes, a personal trainer. At the same time, I'm also my nine to five. I actually work in pharmaceuticals uh, as a project manager. And I also am a freelance violinist. So I wear multiple hats. In terms of my fitness career, I've been a personal trainer since 2016. I think it was that period of time. I was going to a boot camp 
religiously when I first moved to Toronto, loved it, found like my little community. And then I went through a, a breakup. When you'd go through a breakup, it's like, what can I do? I need something new, a new challenge. And I remember taking the subway with one of my trainers and I had been talking to her about this and she's like, why don't you try coaching? Why don't you try being a, one of the trainers at the gym? So it was that little talk that I had with her that kind of got the wheels in my head spinning. I have a huge passion for movement and working with people. Why don't I try this? So I got my certification and then slowly started teaching group classes. And I fell in love with that. I fell in love with the connection I made with people. I fell in love with seeing people get stronger in my classes. And so from there, I went into personal training because I wanted to make an impact on a person's life and actually see that change in them is really rewarding. So personal training is a passion of mine. When COVID hit, a lot of my group classes stopped and I had to take a lot of my in-person clients virtually. Also, I got pregnant during COVID and I started to look for some guidance on how to train during pregnancy. When I couldn't really find what I was looking for, I decided to take a certification for pregnancy and postpartum athleticism so that I could help coach myself through my pregnancy. After getting that certification, I decided to pivot my business. I still train non-pregnant athletes, but now I am offering and trying to focus a little bit more on personal training and doing programs for both pregnant and postpartum athletes. I love that. How do you balance both the training and your real job and, <laughs> and now family life? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Now I'm lucky I'm on maternity leave, so I'm able to focus my energy a little bit more on the training. I'm in Toronto, we're in lockdown, so everything's virtual. And that's a blessing in disguise too, because I'm not having to commute places. I'm able to just launch FaceTime and chat with all of my clients. Although I can't wait to get back to in-person training because there's a magic to that as well. And just being able to see everyone. And then how do I balance my nine to five? If I have clients, it's usually early mornings before my nine to five. And then evenings is usually when I would teach my classes. You're asking how I balance that with now having a child. I'm not sure. We'll <laughs> have to see when I go back to work in December. So I still have a long chunk of time. Cool. I've always juggled a lot of things growing up, <laughs> violin and then school and all these extracurricular activities. Sure. So I think I have a knack for time management. Oh, that's great. You might have to start planning now about how you're going to balance everything. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Uh, I love that. Well, thank you. I always love to ask this question with our mamas, especially since you're just fresh out of the gate and it's probably fresh on your mind right now. What did your workouts look like before? pregnancy came into your life. How did they transition in pregnancy? And then have you started anything yet? Or what are your plans uh, in, the, in the next little bit to get back in gear? That's a great question. So my style of training pre-baby, my favorite exercise is burpees. I love high intensity training. I, I love to go all out. I love sweating, really high energy workouts, plyos were my jam. But now during pregnancy, definitely had to dial things back. And I'm not going to lie, the first trimester, even into the second trimester was hard. I was doing a little bit of hit at, in my first trimester as well, because I went into with it, the mentality where I was like, you know what, I worked out before, I should be fine to continue what I was doing, because that's the messaging a lot of pregnant women are given, do what you've been doing. And now I realize that's the wrong messaging. We should be encouraging all women to be moving throughout pregnancy. It just depends where you're at and what your goals are. 
So let me get back to that question. What I did during my first trimester, second trimester was closer to what I was doing pre-pregnancy, but dialing back the intensity. Into my third trimester, my workouts were super different. And it was more of a mindset shift of surrender and just letting go of wanting to maintain strength. I had completely let that go and just remember that it was just movement for the pure joy and enjoyment of moving my body, whether it be going for a walk or just something a little bit lighter, a little bit slower and really connecting to my breath. And I just became so much more aware of my body as I was moving it through pregnancy. That I found a a new way of looking at exercising. And I actually, I really fell in love with that. And now into postpartum, I'm eight weeks postpartum. And what I was doing for the first six weeks before really getting cleared by my OB um, and my pelvic floor physiotherapist was breathing work. That is exercise. And it's hard exercise, especially after you've given birth. So I would do different in different positions. So lying on my back with my knees bent or just standing in lunge position, just a deep diaphragmatic breathing. That's what I was doing. And so now in the last two weeks, I've gone slowly into just body weight, all body weight movements, just re-familiarizing my body with all the movements that I loved pre-pregnancy and during pregnancy. So it's a slow build. I appreciate you saying that. Through this, especially being super hardcore into hit and plyo moves, it sounded really graceful. (laughs) What was that moment where you're like, I don't think I can do this? Did you have a little bit of a meltdown? Was it pretty or did you have to fight through some ego? What did that look like? Oh my gosh, yes. So much ego. Are you kidding? (laughs) I'm very type A. I had this mindset of like, I'm exempt from having to dial back my workouts. I thought I'd be the woman in the boot camp class with the big belly doing all these like lifts and, you know, pull-ups. It definitely wasn't pretty. It was a moment of why can't I do this? Being so angry at myself. I should be able to push through this. I remember I was spinning on the bike and I'd have some cramps and I was like, this doesn't feel right. I think that was when I realized that you have to think about shifting there there has to be more than just like the body changes um, and modifications, exercise modifications. You have to do something from your mind. I think that's where it starts. So I think spinning and realizing, hey, this this doesn't feel right. And at that moment, it wasn't just my health, but it's also the baby's. Am I doing something that could harm the baby? So I think it's not pretty for sure. That's why I think it's really helpful to have a community of other women who have the same mentality of slowing down and dialing it back during during pregnancy to talk through what you're going through in your mind. I think that's why it's really nice for pregnant women while they're going through that journey to have a community of women who think very similarly or to have a coach that they're working with to really help them guide them through how to dial back safely and effectively during pregnancy. Yeah, you definitely have an advantage. Most women don't know until late postpartum that oh, maybe I should have worked with a pelvic floor physio. Maybe I should have dialed it back. And I feel like we're very lucky to know this information because I find that it's not commonly known among women. Were you still able for any part of your pregnancy to work out with other pregnant women or interact with pregnant women during this time? Unfortunately, we've been in lockdown the whole time. It's super isolating. Last summer, the gyms are open for a little bit, but that was even before I was really showing. So I would go to those classes and the instructors knew I was pregnant. They didn't really know how to train pregnant women. And I didn't really have community, um, especially early on in pregnancy. It was a very vulnerable time. That first trimester is even more vulnerable, I find, because you're already probably anxious. 
you're not able to share the news before that 12 week mark and your body's already changing and it would be great to have someone at that point to lean on. That's partially why I became a, a pregnancy and um, postpartum athleticism coach is because I want to be that coach that I didn't have during my journey for other women. Yeah, for sure. What was your experience during your pregnancy these last eight weeks with your pelvic physio? How did you bounce things off of them? How did you work with them? Did you have to do some things virtual with your pelvic floor physical therapist? Yeah. So actually pre-birth, I did work with a pelvic floor physiotherapist. Uh, I saw her a couple of times, all virtually though, unfortunately, but it was still super helpful. She helped with just breathing cues, prepping for labor, breathing techniques and exercises to help baby descend into the pelvis. It's really funny because I prepped for so long, learning how to properly breathe, how to not bear down, but breathe with an open mouth to push properly. And then in the end, I had a cesarean. So all of that that I had worked on went completely out the window. It's funny how that happened. I wanted to see a uh, pelvic floor physiotherapist in person after birth because I wanted to get the full exam as well, the external as well as the internal exam. And I just went this past week to a new physiotherapist, learned a lot. So they do the full external exam. And then she also internally examined me. And I definitely am holding a little bit of tension in my in my muscles and my pelvic floor muscles and that kind of makes sense to me too because of the cesarean i'm overcompensating because i don't have my abdominal muscles so i'm overcompensating by my pelvic floor so it makes sense why i'm holding tension there but now learning how to relax it i'm able to message these pelvic floor physiotherapists if i have any questions or accessible I think that's a great relationship, you know, to have and bounce ideas off of them. It sounds like you had a good experience with a physio. And again, most women don't do that or don't know to do that. So yeah, yeah, you're definitely pretty lucky there. And we chatted about this previously leading up to this is that you're going to share your birth story. And (laughs) if you're still open to it, I would love for you to give us your birth story. Sure. (laughs) So I guess, yeah, this is the first time I'm sharing my birth story. It's actually on I wrote a blog post um, on it on my website. So I had a feeling I was going to be early. I thought a lot of the women around me, my friends, I had two close friends that were pregnant right before me. And one of them gave birth on her due date. The other one gave birth a couple days after. Another one of our friends gave birth at the 36 week mark. And for some reason, I was like, I think he won't make it to 40 weeks. But lo and behold, he was in there until 40 weeks and six days. I had to be induced. They did a Foley bulb which I remember when my OB was explaining what a Foley bulb induction was, I had pictured this like massive balloon. So what they do is they insert a catheter in and they, there's like a balloon in your cervix and they pump it up with saline solution to expand your cervix. And in my mind, I thought it was one of those like massive balloons. I was like, that's going to be so uncomfortable. Uh, <laughs> but it's a tiny little balloon. It gets in there and then they tape the catheter to your thigh overnight. And oh man, that was so painful. They said you'd have mild to medium cramps after, and I, the the amount of pain I was in, I was not able to even lie down. I had to keep pacing the room when I had that Foley bulb in, and that was supposed to come out overnight. And then I was going to go back to the hospital to be induced in the morning. And when I woke up, even at eight a.m., there's still that Foley bulb was still in there. So <laughs> we finally went to the hospital. They got it out, and and then they broke my water. Probably a couple hours later. And I had started the contractions earlier that morning and they were at first I was like, no, this is totally tolerable. I think it'll be fine. And I think my mentality going into it was I'm going to try to go try to give birth without um, an epidural. But again, 
no shame if I needed that epidural. I was all game. I was going to get it. And luckily at the hospital that I gave birth, they had a couple anesthesiologists dedicated to that floor. So as soon as I wanted it, I could get it as close to the deadline as possible. So that was a comforting thought. So yeah, they popped, they broke my water. And I remember being in all these different positions. I think that was why I didn't want the epidural. I wanted to be able to be on my feet, being in that squat position, go use the showers if I needed to, use my exercise ball. And then after probably two hours of what I thought it wasn't, I wouldn't say the worst pain, but it was close to the worst pain, those contractions. But this is where the pelvic floor physiotherapy definitely came in handy, being able to really breathe and and connect to my breathing. That was what helped the most to get through that pain during labor. And then after, yeah, I said about two hours, I gave in. I was like, I need that epidural. So (laughs) um, got that epidural and I remember feeling so, so good. Yeah. Just like that pain, the wave washes over you and you're like, oh, I'm having contractions. It's fine. I'm falling asleep. It feels, it feels great. But then afterwards, about three hours after getting the epidural, the doctors came in and said that the baby's heart rate was dropping and I hadn't really progressed. I was five centimeters dilated for about five hours. So they, I do an emergency C-section. That was the best course of action. And honestly, in that moment, I felt really scared. I felt defeated. I was sad because this is not what I what I expected going into it. I know going into birth, you can't have any expectations because it's out of your control. Uh, and I told myself that so many times, but I mean, I'm still human. So I still, I was being carted into the OR and I remember crying, but yeah, honestly, the experience, like being in the OR was great. I was able to chat with the doctors. My husband was there with me because I was on all those drugs, I definitely was, everything's a little bit cloudy at this point. I think I remember the good moments now, right? But uh, yeah, the baby was born. I remember my OB talking me through the whole experience saying, hey, the baby's coming out. And yeah, I saw him really quickly. Then he was brought to the warming table. My husband was with him for a while. Uh, and then he brought him back. We were in the recovery room for like probably four hours before they moved me to a room and just holding his name's Te- oh, Theodore, but we call him Teddy. Holding him in my arms for the first time, it was pretty surreal. I think the biggest thing while I was pregnant was, what is he going to look like? I'm so curious because I'm Korean. My husband's a redhead. So that mix, I was so curious to see what he was going to look like. And I mean, I- I'm sure every mom says this, but he's perfect. <laughs> he's adorable. And yeah, it's just crazy. I still look at him now and I'm like, wow, you're here in this world and that's pretty crazy. So yeah, anyway, the recovery, I was walking 12 hours after the surgery, which I think was very surprising. And I'm very lucky and very grateful that my recovery has been pretty, pretty easy. And there's a lot of things that I didn't expect. I think just the itching from all the drugs, right? Coming down, I remember my nose so red and just how big a deal it is when you pass gas. And I remember that first night too, you hardly sleep, right? You're feeding, learning how to latch. You're not learning. The baby's learning how to latch. And I I have glasses. So I slept with my glasses on the whole night because I couldn't keep putting them on to check on the baby. So that's another thing. Get laser eye surgery before you have a kid <laughs> or else you'll just be sleeping with your glasses on. Um, so yeah, we were in the hospital for 48 hours and then finally came home, which was great. Yay. Wow. Congratulations. That is awesome. You did mention that it didn't happen as planned and you spent some time focusing on telling yourself that things may not go as your birth plan or what you were 
you're hoping towards. What did that look like? What, were you looking for more of a non-drug, 100% natural? What was your ideal? Yeah, ideal quotation marks, because I think that everyone should go into it with an open mind because you really don't know what's going to happen. But again, ideal would have been just a vaginal birth without any drugs. But I knew that I would be very open to getting that epidural if I needed to, or if I was going to listen to the to my doctors, if they thought I needed the epidural, then sure. But in the end, I think I opted to have it because the pain was too much for me. I think the cesarean birth, now having it, if I had time to plan for that, which I think people, women should consider that could happen. If I'd had time to plan for that, I would have had a conversation with my OB to ask if I could have maybe music playing or if I could have had a clear drape. I did have a conversation with my OB actually to ask her for the future, for any future children, if I'd be able to plan that kind of thing with her to have like a a clear drape for her or maybe for her to describe what's happening. So I really know what's going on. And she had mentioned in your case, we weren't able to do that. And I wasn't able to really talk you through it because we had to get the baby out really, really quickly. But the next time you have, if you were to opt for a cesarean, which I think I would, and I can elaborate a little bit more on that. She said, we could totally plan it the way you want. Like you could definitely have music playing. It would just have to be low enough so that our team can talk. We don't have clear drapes, but we could find a way to drop the drapes for you before baby comes out so you can see what's happening. So just, it makes you having these choices and planning for it just makes you feel like you're in a little bit more control, especially when it's an emergency C-section, you feel like everything's out of your control, right? So for me, my next child, I would want to do it a planned cesarean for sure. Why? Because I have a a scar already. Why don't they use that scar and, and go in rather than aggravating my pelvic floor by trying for a vaginal birth? So for me, I'm, I would opt for a planned cesarean and really plan it with my OB in advance to really have the experience that I want uh, and empower. And I think that really is an empowering feeling to be able to plan it that way. Yeah, for sure. It's yeah. great that you can advocate, you know, for yourself and it's important to do. Otherwise you go into that sense of fear. We had uh, a guest on that had a pretty traumatic experience, mainly because she didn't know what was happening and why. And it is so important that you go and you tell your OB, I, I know I, w- I want it this way. It might not happen this way, but i like you to talk me through this. And it's important that even in that situation when things are going wrong is you advocate for yourself instead of spending the time worried or in fear, use that moment. You can, you could be in fear later or worry later. It's almost like you have to take action at the, in that moment, be present sure. in that moment. So I really like appreciate that you had the afterthought to say, okay, maybe I didn't, I should have handled it differently mm-hmm. in the moment, but hey, now I can say to the doctor, could we have done this a little bit different or can we do this a little different next time? Yeah. Um, it's amazing that you've, you you took the reins and uh, now you're going to be able to do that for your for your <laughs> next go around. So yeah. definitely a good learning lesson. And definitely, um, yes. even though in certain situations, things might go not as planned, there's still things that you can do to still feel like you are a part of the decision mm-hmm. as opposed mm-hmm. to <laughs> everything's happening to you. Now, <laughs> let's transition a little bit. I really loved your birth story and I want to thank you for, yeah. you know, being candid with that. And I wanted to shift because I've been following your Instagram and so yeah. many of 
the images are of pregnancy workouts. And it really made me think about the athlete brain a little bit more. I want you to help some of our listeners maybe define athlete brain a little bit more, a little bit more of the psychology behind that and talk a little bit more about your athlete brain and how it evolved and changed during pregnancy, some of the ups and downs. And how's your athlete brain doing today? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, athlete brain is the ego side of your training, you as a person, you thinking that um, because you're an athlete, you've been training prior to pregnancy, you're exempt. There's like an attitude of exemption where the guidance that is given to pregnant women, you're exempted from. There is a attitude of, it's hard to surrender. I think you want to be able to try to control. So you you don't want to have control. You want to be able to surrender because knowing that this is a temporary phase in life, right? Being pregnant, it's this too shall pass. Another aspect of athlete's brain is this loss of identity, the loss of strength, and it's the fear of the loss of identity. Uh, strength um, and ability through pregnancy. Prior to pregnancy, I think a lot of athletes identify themselves as a strong athlete who is capable of so much stuff. And through pregnancy, because we have to dial back, I think there is a period in time, at least I went through this, where I really struggled with trying to come to terms with the fact that I still was this athlete, but it was just this one period of my life right now during pregnancy where my identity was going to shift. And as I mentioned, dialing back, I think that's another thing about athlete's brain, just learning how to self-regulate. We don't have the capability to self-regulate and to dial back, especially during a period, a vulnerable period, such as pregnancy and postpartum. Just remember that this phase is temporary. The style of training is temporary. Your pregnancy is more of your prehab, your deloading. And it's this mindset that this is a temporary shift It's a transitionary period in your life. And then knowing that in postpartum, that's your rebuild. It's your rehab period. And just allowing your mind to recognize that this isn't a permanent change, but knowing that your body is new. It's a different body when you're pregnant. You're you're growing a human. So being able to surrender to that and only controlling what you can control at that point. So as an athlete, that's where you have to learn different, maybe working with a coach or figuring out different strategies to train during this transitionary period. It's more than just exercise modifications. There's learning about your breathing. Let's change different strategies, like the intensity level, like endurance, the amount of time you're working up, the volume, the load. So learning how to make small changes is super important. Yeah. Did you have a pivotal moment where you had to get an athlete brain and check? Yeah. 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 I think second trimester is where that shift did happen. The cramps I was talking about during spinning that didn't feel normal. I remember I went on a couple of weeks where I was like, Oh no, I can push through this cramp. It's fine. It's just my uterus expanding. But then that's my, my brain making excuses for wanting to continue on that I was going. But then you think about it, this is probably my body's way of telling me to slow down. And that's where I think I clicked where it's like, you actually have to start listening to your body. So that, that guidance of telling pregnant women, just listen to your body is true, but you have to start teaching pregnant women how to properly listen. And for me, that feedback of cramping was just that. I think my athlete's brain in that sense was getting in tune with my body and letting go of that ego um, of like, Hey, I'm fit. I can push through 
anything. And it's not about pushing through, right? You want to take some time to really dial it back. And it's not about the maintaining of strength during this period. It's just moving for pure enjoyment. Cool. I love that. I think that's probably the number one issue amongst athletic women. It gets to that mark where what do you resist and what do you listen to and learning the cues to listen to. And it's hard to teach because it's different for everyone. Mm-hmm. Now, after baby, there are new pressures to deal with. And you've got the best perspective right now because you're hot in it. <laughs> and a lot of the messaging online deals with this like bounce back culture, especially in Hollywood and athletic women too. It's definitely harmful for women because they feel all that pressure. How as women can we start to take back power when it comes to pressure to look a certain way or bounce back a certain way? How has that affected you? Oh man, I want to continue to have that discussion with women that you can't really bounce back. That terminology, I really feel like we need to change bouncing back from pregnancy doesn't really exist. Pregnancy isn't about bouncing back to your pre-pregnant body. I think we need to start having more of a discussion that like your postpartum body is a new body and starting to embrace that and having these discussions with women and even young girls that throughout your life, your body is going to change. And as you said, celebrities bouncing back, that's great, but it has to do with genetics, something that we can't control. A lot of Instagram people talk about oh, I'm able to fit into my jeans a week after giving birth. That's great. But don't spread that message because that's not for majority of women. That's probably your genetics. And I think a lot of times they might tie that to, oh, I worked out. So that again, gives women the the wrong impression that if you've been working out prior to pregnancy, then your body's just going to go right back to what it was postpartum, which is just not the case for majority of women. Your body's going to be different. And I think it makes women feel worse about your body. I posted some words, but I feel about my postpartum body. And I think it's important to really normalize and share with women how everyone feels very similar. I'm embarrassed about my postpartum body, but I'm super proud of it too. And I think it's important to acknowledge that you can have both positive and negative feelings about your postpartum body. I think women's relationship with their bodies throughout their life will change, right? You go through ups and downs and it's not necessarily always tied to exercising either. It's hormones and your emotional state of stress level. There's so much more at play. So I think it's also just watching how we talk to pregnant women as well, rather than focusing on, oh, your bump's so big. I tell postpartum women, it doesn't even look like you had a baby. I totally understand that's coming from a good place, but I think we need to be careful of the language we use because if you are telling a woman you look like you didn't even have a baby, you might be causing more harm than good. I know we mean it as a compliment, but I think that's a very dangerous and slippery slope we go down. That wording will perpetuate the the bounce back culture language. We really need to stop it. We need to find a way to fight back against that bounce back culture uh, and just eliminate that word bounce back related to pregnancy. Thank you. You did a powerful reel and you're just standing there explaining your emotions about your postpartum body. I do love how your feelings are juxtaposed. Yes, you're embarrassed. Maybe yes, you don't look the way you want to or maybe thought to. But then on the other side, you're proud of your body. You accomplished something amazing. And 
I think we need to get back to that because emotions are like that. They're like this this ping pong ball, especially when we we take the time and we really are in silence and maybe we stand in front of the mirror. At one moment, we're looking at ourselves in the mirror. We've got maybe more negative feelings, but then we go walk around and then we go grab our baby and we're overwhelmed with, with positive. There's going to be some positive with negative. And I really want to thank you for bringing that out there because it's one thing to dwell on that negative portion, but we really should use that as a moment where what we're doing, what is perpetuating that bounce back culture. No, this Mm -hmm. is my time to step back, to heal, to treat my body right. And I really want to thank you for doing that because it really showed some bravery. So thank you. Now, a lot of the listeners here are graduates or current members of my Rebuild After Baby program, which is a rehab corrective exercise program for women after they've given birth. And a lot of them are athletes with the goal of getting back to old workouts. Now, from what I've seen in some of your material online is what you call this rehab gap. I was wondering if you could explain this rehab gap and have you started to apply this to yourself and are you applying this to your clients too? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I will be applying this to myself. I've been slowly, as I mentioned, trying to get back to exercise really The work I've been doing right now has been more breath work. But anyway, this rehab gap applies more for athletes who are seasoned athletes who are used to moving their bodies. And I find that when you go to a pelvic floor physiotherapist, some of the exercises they give you may be a bit too easy, I would say. It's boring, but I think that all athletes, regardless of your level, have to put that foundational work in place for a good chunk of time before moving on and um adding the load back to your movements. Some athletes feel that we're exempt because we've moved our body our entire lives and we can speed through or skip the fundamental rebuild. But in actuality, no one is exempt from that fundamental rebuild. So that core work and that refamiliarization of basic movements, all athletes need to go through that. Athletes being a little bit more aware of their bodies, they may be able to move at a faster pace. That gap comes from if you're solely working with a physiotherapist, they might not know how to properly progress you at the speed that you'd like. And to some athletes, some of those movements may seem very rudimentary. But again, it is super important to take that time to rebuild and start from scratch post-baby. So the rehab gap is just working the advice of a physiotherapist versus what you have with a coach, because a coach will really be able to work with you and work with the goals that you have in mind. I just find that there isn't a lot of information out there about how to get back to that level of athleticism postpartum, how to lay that foundation down and then familiarizing yourself with the foundational movements, squats, hinges, and then starting to add load. And then from there, where do you go? How do you build back to, let's say, if you want to get back to plyos, sure, that's great. But then how do you back to those explosive movements, right? And I think it's very individualized. There's no one size fits all program, I find. It's going to be really listening. Again, through your pregnancy, you've been listening and figuring out how to listen to your body cues. I think that same applies through postpartum. As you move, if you start to feel symptoms, it's learning how to dial it back a little bit, work back, getting the foundation stronger, and then moving up. If you, you feel symptoms at that point, dial back. So it's not a linear path. 
Cool. Thanks. So I want to thank you for, you know, taking time away, chatting with me, sharing your birth story, sharing some of the ups and downs and emotions. I want you to take the time. How can people find you online? Yeah, of course. So on Instagram, you can find me. My handle is Steffi P. And I actually just built a website pretty recently. We launched it last week, which is pretty exciting. You can find me at stephparkfitness.com. Awesome. I'm going to make sure that I link to your Instagram as well as your shiny new website on the show notes there so people can go and check that out. I'm really looking forward to reading your blog and keeping up with you. Anyone that's interested in working with stuff, go and check out that website. Check out our amazing Instagram. I love all your images and you're real. I was like (laughs) tissue out and crying. So I really want to thank you. Thank you so much. Awesome, guys. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Steph Park. This was amazing. And I really love how she just laid it out on the table. She was really blunt and honest about her birth story. So I really love that. Guys, I'm going to put everything that she had chatted about in the show notes there. So you can go and check out her website. Thanks so much for joining me today on the Strong Moms Fitness Podcast. And I do want to encourage any of you who are in that early postpartum phase, or maybe you're struggling with leakage, diastasis, prolapse, or if you're someone that just wants to get back to the gym safely without injury, I want you to check out my new program, Rebuild After Baby. Website is rebuildafterbaby.com. This program is perfect to get you back on track, back to your sports, back to your activities, back to the things you love. If you're struggling with leakage, diastasis, or prolapse, this is definitely the program for you. So check out rebuildafterbaby.com. Thanks again, guys. Have a great day. Thanks for tuning in. And we look forward to seeing you next time on the Strong Moms Fitness Podcast. Now remember, go subscribe so that you are the first to know as soon as new episodes drop. Also, be sure you don't miss out on your chance to win a free program of your choice from Strong Moms Fitness. All you have to do is leave a five-star review. Screenshot it before you submit and send it to Daisy at strongmomsfitness.com. Your review helps other people find our show. And as a thank you, once a month, we choose the review that makes us all warm and tingly inside and award that lucky lady a free program of their choice. So do it now. It could be you. See you next time, you badass mom, you.